Too often, faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Hey, welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzara. Great to be with you as always. And before we jump in, just a couple of real quick things. I got to get to this interview because it's amazing. First thing is the audiobook of Bring It Home is available, so jump on Audible. If you're a book listener, now you can get your hands on it. So, And I did the narration, so you'll get this lovely, low, sexy voice reading to you. I mean, what's better than that, right? <laughs> the other thing is right in the middle of raising some support for the work that I do on this podcast and beyond this podcast. So if you want to become a supporter of the work of Chasing Goodness, uh, you can just hop onto my website at mattkinzara.com. We spread this wide and shallow. So the only option is to give $25 a month. But if that's something you feel led to do, just hop over to the website and get on that mattkinzara.com. So when my guest for today signed on with my publisher, Lake Drive Books, David Morris, everybody It just seemed like everybody in my circle started knocking on my virtual door saying, you need to reach out and talk to Marla because she's unbelievable and she's amazing. So I take a hint and reached out to Marla right away. And so Marla Taviano is an author. She is a poet. She just recently released her second poetry book called Jaded. And I'm not going to say any more because you're going to absolutely fall in love with her. So enjoy this interview with Marla Taviano. Well, hello, Marla. Thanks for joining the podcast today, fellow Lake Drive Books author. So it's an honor to be with you and have been poking around quite a bit on your work ever since I heard about you from not only from David, our publisher, but also some other friends. So apparently people know who you are, which is very exciting. And uh, so why don't you start, just give me like the 30,000 foot overview of who Marla Taviano is. And then we're going to kind of back up into your story because you've got, you've got an amazing story. I mean, it's just so fascinating and intricate and there's, I'm just excited for this. I'm so excited for this interview. All right. So 30,000 foot view, who is Marla Taviano? Thank you, Matt. It's good to be here. And uh, <laughs> I can't wait to hear how uh, intricate and fascinating my life is. We'll see. Um, and you don't know this because I have not told you this. Well, I did tell you that I read your book. But what yes. you don't know is I have an idea of something. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you about myself first. But I will say that as I was reading your book, I get to chapter five. And there were so many similarities, like just little details of things that, that I could relate to. I decided to start making a list. So I've made them in the front of the book and I have like 12 things. So at some point we need to run through those things because I read it a month ago. And so I'm looking at this list and I'm thinking some of these, I don't even know what this means. So maybe if I say it, then you can tell me what it means. And then I'll tell you why, it, <laughs> why it's just like my life growing up. Okay. So I had to you, look, I, I have the book right next to me. So I had to like, look, what's chapter five? What was Marla talking No, about? that's just how far I had gotten when I realized this is, okay. this is funny. Um, because I am from Ohio and you're from Wisconsin, correct? So correct. that's like yep. same place basically. Um, and so, yeah. All right. So I am um, 47 years old, 39 years I spent in Ohio with a brief stint in Indiana, which also the same as Ohio. <laughs> and then five years in Cambodia from 2015 to 2020, moved back from Cambodia to the States um, in March of 2020, right in the middle of a pandemic or at the beginning of a pandemic and um, have lived in Columbia, South Carolina ever since. And basically I grew up in a very small town like you did in a um, very white town and very Christian town. My uh, public high school, I graduated co-valedictorian, 71 students in my class. Most of my teachers were Christians or called themselves Christians. Um, my 
speech that I gave at graduation was uh, basically witnessing to <laughs> all the people in attendance. I was very zealous for Jesus and God and church and the Bible. And um, I was a smart kid, started reading the Bible when I was, I don't know, as soon as I could read. I could read when I was four and I've been reading ever since. I've read the Bible through like a million times. So anytime someone comes to me now and it's like, well, have you read the Bible? <laughs> have you read the book of John? I'm like, let's see, uh, probably 64 times I have read the book of John. Um, but I was, like I said, on fire for Jesus and God, very conservative, white evangelical. I would not have used all those words at the time. At the time, I would have used the word Christian. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I am a Christian <laughs> and didn't put all those labels on it, which I do now. So... Fast forward through my Christian university, get married to a guy that I met as a counselor at a church camp. And then we have three daughters in 2000, 2002, 2006. We um, are involved in all kinds of ministries, church plants, um, tons of stuff. And then um, in 2011, my husband was 34 years old. He had a massive heart attack and almost died. And from there, he um, lost. Oh, for, well, from there, we went to we went to Cambodia on a visit five uh, for five weeks. That was six weeks after that happened in 2011. Came back from Cambodia with plans to move there, but then he ended up back in the ER. We thought it was another heart attack, and it was panic attacks. And that was the next three years of our lives. His anxiety, panic attacks, couldn't leave the house, lost his job. We lost our house. We moved into an apartment complex that was primarily Somali refugees, and um, that changed our lives quite a bit. And then in January 2015, we moved to Cambodia. Started out kind of as missionaries, humanitarians, fighting human trafficking of children. And in the midst of all that, I'd say around 2008-9 is when I started having some deconstruction-type thoughts. We helped plant a multi-ethnic church in our city before we moved to Cambodia. And then the rest is a slippery slope, a domino effect, all of that leading up till now. But in uh, March 2020, when we moved back, my daughter, my oldest daughter and her Cambodian fiance were stuck in Cambodia uh, because his um, visa interview was canceled because everything was canceled in the whole world. And so they were there for three months while we were back here. And that was like the most anxiety ridden time of my life. I was just convinced they were both going to get COVID, die, and I would never see them again. They got here in June of 2020. And on Labor Day um, 2020, my husband told me that he wanted a divorce and he left and I have not seen him since. And so that was a lot of stuff for us to go through (laughs) in 2020. Um, and so, so your, the whole your world. 2020 was a little like everybody's <laughs> was bad. Yours was a little extra. I'm like, let me just one up you here with my 2020. <laughs> what I will say, and I feel like I've just said this a million times, but I've never said it on your podcast. So I, we came back after five years in Cambodia, expecting to have culture shock, expecting to, how can we fit back in? The kids are like five years older at a very critical stage in their lives. And will we be able to fit back in, in the United States of America? Well, <laughs> turns out the whole entire world was turned upside down and you've got people who have to wear masks. Well, we've been wearing masks. The, anytime we got sick in Cambodia or drove our motos in the dust, we wore a mask. Um, talk about you can't see your friends and you have to talk to them on video. We've been doing that for five years. <laughs> you have to go to school over video. Oh, we do that too. So it was just, there really was... Um, not that much culture shock for us because we just slipped in unnoticed. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. So here we are now. That's, I don't know if that was 30,000 feet. might've been 20, but yeah, that might've been 20. I think you got us a little <laughs> closer to ground I level, did, which sorry. I appreciate. No, I appreciate that. Now back, back us up a little bit. What did kind of the formation, you know, you said that you grew up kind of in a Christian culture. What was the formation of that for you personally? What got you to a place where you considered yourself a Christian or was that just just the household that you grew up in. And then you like took it the extra, you know, you went a little extra, like you got in it, it was a career for you. And so just share a little bit about that journey with us. Yeah, I do not remember any formation. I remember that I was a Christian. That's just how it was. So um, I tell a story about my mom praying for my future spouse when I'm still in the womb. Like I just came out in the middle of Christian world. And 
Um, what I will say, a tribute to my parents, is that they, I, I did not grow up in a cult per se. Like it's not, um, and I was not abused in any way. I was not really even sheltered. I went, well, I mean, kind of, but if you, I guess living in a white town and going to a small public school is, is sheltered, but um, it wasn't like they were trying to keep me from the world. Um, they did have some, they didn't want me to listen to some sorts of music, but I would just go to Kmart or wherever Walmart and buy the cassette tape myself and listen on my Walkman. So they did <laughs> yeah. not know that I had like MC Hammer and Aerosmith and Sinead O'Connor in my. Dare you, <laughs> Sinead O'Connor, the worst. <laughs> I know she. Well, she kind of was. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I. Um, yeah, that was just how it was. I mean, we went to church, went to Sunday school, went to church, went to Sunday night church, went to Wednesday night church, Wednesday night youth group. Um, and so it's just now in the last few years that I'm I'm realizing like, wow, I I could say I had a choice. I didn't really have a choice. I didn't know there was a choice. I thought mm -hmm. that I that was it. Um, and I was all in. I mean, I have friends tell me, even in your book, Matt, you were saying something about, I, I marked some things in the book, but now I don't know where they are. So yeah. um, you said something about even in your most, I don't know, zealous days, you didn't really believe that it was um, a sin for someone to be gay. Oh, I believe that 1000% that it was a sin because whatever the Bible said and whatever, however I'd interpret it, even if it made me squirm, even if I wished it wasn't true, I believed it was true. And so, yeah, all, all of it. So it has been, um, it's been an adventure, um, unraveling like all of that <laughs> and trying to, and even now, I mean, I feel like I've been doing this so long that Sometimes I'll look back and think, wow, I believe that. And then other times I'm like, oh, there's still some stuff in me that I that this still needs to come out and be cleaned up. And oh, it's yeah, it's, it's a journey, <laughs> right? We just got to hang yeah, in there for yeah. the whole journey. It's fine. Now, yeah. you uh, this your most recent publications are not your only ones. And this is fun for me to get to learn. <laughs> You were an author oh <laughs> in, in some of your more zealous days, your more uh, overtly Christian days, you had some books out. Do you mind sharing some of the titles of those masterpieces with us? I do mind. I will not. No, I will share. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. So <laughs> this year I would like to read through them all. I, I've tried last year and I like almost want to throw up because it was just... <laughs> I, I, before I say the titles, I was just telling someone recently, I just wrote on my sub stack. I took a, a line from one of my first books. I wrote it out and then I wrote a new poem to myself, like from 2023 back to that woman who was just a newlywed in 1998. And um, so that's kind of what I want to do is read through some things, work on some healing, work on loving that woman because that yeah. still was me. And I can see some hints of, of the me now in her. Um, but the two things that I found, one, I feel sad for her because, oh, look, she was so beaten down. And then I feel very ashamed and angry with her because she then turned it on other people. Like she then shamed other women for dressing immodestly or whatever it was that they. And so and it's all in that book. And it's like, how could you be so? And I wrote a poem about this. How could I have been so beaten down and arrogant at the same time. And wow. really that's just par for the course in Christianity though, because we are wretched worms. We're nothing without God, but we know all the answers. We have all that's the truth. It's like, wait that's a so second. So there I was just in my own version, spewing huh. that into a book called From Blushing Bride to Wedded Wife. Practical advice from a girlfriend, what marriage is really like. I have my books sitting right here because everyone asks me about them. They're like, hold Did up. It. What are these books that you, <laughs> <laughs> that you wrote? And, and I'm like, yeah, it's a true story. And they're out in the world and people can buy them. Um, number two, is that all he thinks about? How to enjoy great sex with your husband. That worked out well for me. Um, changing your world one diaper at a time, a reflective journey through your baby's first year and expecting praying for your child's development, body and soul. So nothing very original. It goes from marriage to sex, to pregnancy, to babies. Um, yeah. And then I stopped. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. But you, I mean, uh, and I want everybody to know this as well. Like you are a full-time writer. That's what you do for your career. So this is the, you know, jaded, unbelieved. They're not 
this, this isn't a new territory for you. You've been writing for a long time. Yes. But when you say full-time writer, um, I will say full-time writer. Yes. Full-time writer for myself. No, my, sure. my books are not bringing in enough, um, to even pay my car insurance probably <laughs> at this that. current juncture, hopefully someday, maybe. Uh, but I do write for a living. I write for other people. I and write I think, for, like, I think that's yeah. really, and I love for people to hear that because, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat, not with writing, uh, cause writing is new to me where it's not for you, but for me, like public speaking and music have always been the avenues that I've, you know, used career wise into this world. They worked really well inside evangelical Christianity because oh, yeah. who doesn't, yep. who doesn't want a good musician who can speak in front of people? It's like <laughs> wonderful. Right. And then I remember meeting with a, a friend of mine who used to be a megachurch speaking pastor. And he just, the, the phrase that he said to me that I'll never forget, he said, I just feel like a speaker without a venue. And I just didn't want to believe that that was true. And so I love watching now people like yourself, people like so many others who are finding new avenues, new venues to use their craft to still carve out a livelihood doing it. Even though, you know, obviously all of our dreams and goals would be to do that the way we want to and say the things right, that we right. want to say all the time. Yeah. But I think this feels like a bit of a transition point because I met a lot of people who just kind of felt lost. Like, okay, well, I can't do that. So now I have to work at the local hardware store or go back to school or whatever. And I think the reality is if, if we're creative enough, which you obviously have been, you know, you can find ways to do what you love to do. Even if, if, even if it's not perfect, it's still in the space that, that you're really great at. So I love that you've done that. And I, I just love people hearing that about you, knowing that you've, you've figured this out on some level. Yeah, I, I really actually am proud of myself too, because I went to college to be a teacher. I was a teacher just for a couple of years before I had kids and stayed home. Um, and I have always written, edited, I wrote curriculum, different things, but I have not been at an actual job um, since the end of 2000. So I've not gone to an actual job. Um, and so it's funny because I, well, not funny. I have a lot of friends who are in some kind of ministry or missions work or something. And when they deconstructed, like you said, they're, that that's gone. What in the world do you do? And I had people mm -hmm. kind of uh, like, mocking me or saying, well, I don't know what you think you're going to do with your life, blah, blah, blah. And here I am when I, my ex left in September, 2020, I was making $250 a week, just writing. He left, took his paycheck with him. And that was the first time he'd been earning money for a while, which is another whole story. But I went, um, I can't say I did this all on my own. Like I have people rally around me, support me, help me, but I can say right now, two and a half years later, I am the, at the best place financially that I have ever been in my life. And realizing now that he kind of dragged, well, not kind of, he dragged me down um, <laughs> quite a bit over the years, and not just with his health problems before that. Um, but I, I am grateful personally that I have, that the skill that I was honing this whole time is something that's still in very high demand. I'm writing, I'm writing social media content for business people and stuff. And ironically, <laughs> ironically, this past week, I wrote five emails for a guy on a presentation he did on AI. And the presentation was how AI can write everything for us now. And I'm like, okay, dude, except here I am, you're paying me to write your emails about this presentation. Why not get AI, the chat bot, whatever, chat GPT to write it for you. Um, so it's possible that I would be out of a job at some point if, if the AI really uh, takes off. But um, hopefully by then my books will also have taken off and then I there can just go. write those books. So I would like to see someone try to write the kind of poetry that I write, not someone, an AI. Um, right. Anyway, yeah. So I'm I'm super grateful because I feel bad. I, I know a lot of people who are hurting and trying to figure out what in the hell am I going to do now, yeah. and I am fine. Like I have, n I don't advertise my my writing and my editing. I have people coming to me, and that's been happening. I mean, it, that's rare to go be a missionary, come back, like stay-at-home mom, all that stuff, and then you just plop right in and, oh, sure, I can make all this money. Um, I'm not rich. I, I, there's a lot of things I cannot afford. My car is breaking down. It's old. But but, but I, I can support myself and my kids, and 
I can always find more work and work harder. And yeah. Yeah. I love it. So good. Could you explain, because, you know, going from the space you were in to the space that you are in now, which we'll get more into in just a little bit here, what were some of, you know, I think all of us can pick out like a couple things or a few things that were the big pieces that started us down what's becoming known as kind of that deconstruction journey. What were some yeah. of the things that you started to question or that didn't sit well with you? Because again, like my story, like you already pointed out, I've had a lot of these questions along the road. Yeah. You, you didn't, and then you did. So how did that happen for you? Um, I will say one thing to what you just said. I'm reading back through my journals now. I have 62 journals from like 1998 uh, to 2020. And I am picking up on some things. When I said I did not have questions and I believed it all, that's not exactly true. I had the questions and then I berated myself for not believing strongly enough. And then I gathered all the evidence so that I could squash my questions and continue to believe the things that I thought were true. And so it's like, dang it. <laughs> if I could have just, ah, I could have curved right then and there in that part of the journey and avoided all of this. But um, I, I have said, and I wrote in my first book, I call these my first and second books instead of there's four books yeah. and then I wrote like 10 eBooks. And then I have this, then my first book <laughs> in 2021 is called Unbelieve Poems on the Journey to Becoming a Heretic. And I talk about around 2009, I think 2010, I read a book called The Hole in Our Gospel by Richard Stearns, who is, I think the president, uh, I want to say World Vision. Um, and he's basically saying that if the gospel is we're sinners, Jesus died on the cross, um, ask him into your heart and you can go to heaven instead of hell. If that's the whole of the gospel, which is what a lot of people believe, then what about these um, AIDS orphans in Uganda where he was who are burying their parents, they're starving, they're dying. Where is the good news for them? And I'm reading this at the pool with my little kids and it just like, slammed into me because it was <laughs> so uncomfortable because that's what the gospel was to me. And this guy is saying that that's not good enough for them. And I can't argue because it's true. And so that's where I thought it started until I was reading back through my journals. And apparently a few years before that, I started questioning like the rapture and tribulation period and all this stuff, like, wait a second. So there was some of that. And then it went into when we helped plant that multi-ethnic church plant and our, um, our pastor is a black man. And then Trayvon Martin was killed in 2012. And my black friends um, on Facebook are saying, why aren't my white friends talking about Trayvon Martin? I didn't know who that was. I Google it. That starts a big old thing. Um, just waking up to white supremacy and racism. And, um, and then I want to say, I mean, uh, becoming LGBTQ plus affirming was way further along on my journey than I wish it was like my story. I wish that I had, I want, again, I'm not exactly sure on dates. I want to say not till like 2017 was I finally like, okay, I, I, I don't care what the Bible says, or I had can, I had read enough um, by gay Christians who are, who are pulling apart those verses and saying what they really meant. Um, and then there's a guy, I don't know if you're familiar with BT Harmon. He wrote a, um, thing called Blue Babies Pink. It was a, a blog series, but it was a podcast. And he was this, he grew up this Southern Baptist preacher's son. He was gay. He tried to pray away the gay, like millions of people do forever and ever and ever couldn't. And that I, he is the one that I credit to just finally pushing me over the edge. I'm like, nope, if I have to choose between Christianity and, and Brett, I'm choosing Brett because it's like, I can't, this is... Um, and then I think the very last one, if, if we're talking about the major ones, is going from being pro-life to pro-choice. Um, so is there still stuff left that I, uh, you know what this whole quote-unquote deconstruction thing is. It's not like there's a landing place. It's another poem. People are like, okay, so where have you landed? But where have you landed? <laughs> like, where have you landed? And I, I have not landed and I'm not planning on there, landing. There may landing. not even be a landing strip. Marla, I don't, we don't not, even know. Yeah, no, there's not. So that it's not so much a plane as a bird is what I would say. So I am like, oh, like a bird that. who like hops down, like a lights on this branch for a little bit, but my main place is up in the sky <laughs> Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't live on the ground. Like I don't live on the land. Um, so, so yeah, I, 
I forget what your question was. And that's all right. I, I think you already <laughs> answered it. So it doesn't matter if you forgot okay. it or not. <laughs> oh, this is bonus material. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So when did, um, now share, because uh, a part of this, and I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure you've talked all about all of these things a million times, but part it's of fine. this journey for you and part of what, I mean, I, I don't even want to use this language, so forgive me for saying it, but a little piece of Sorry. what got you on the map was your, it's called White Girl Learning, is that right? The Instagram page? Did I get that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So share a little bit about where that came from and what it was and why you still do it to this day. Okay, this is like my favorite thing in the world. To talk oh, good, about. good, good. I, you know, I listened to some of your interviews and I was like, oh, I bet she's so sick of answering these same questions. I am not sick of anything, really. Maybe I just Good. like to talk about myself, but this is not about myself. So maybe the, I really like this. Okay, so when we, we started that church, and I, I started making more friends who were Black. And um, like I said, I had been reading since I was four. Like, l- literally, my favorite thing to do in the whole entire world. And started realizing that almost everything I'd read was by a white author. And you mentioned that in your book. That was one of the things I remember marking where you were like, um, all these people are white. (laughs) And I have people push back and say, well, I don't look at the skin color of an author. I just read good books. And I'm like, go check your bookshelf. I was going to say, check it out. I would like to know. If, because it, by default, if you do not intentionally read Black Indigenous authors of color, you're not going to read them. Maybe one, maybe two, three. Um, growing up in my little small town, I remember Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, which is written by a Black woman, Mildred D. Taylor. I don't remember any other book th- that we read that was by a Black author. I could be wrong. Um, that was a long time ago, but that's the only one that I remember. So I just started, and this was like in... in I was in Cambodia, so uh, probably 2015, 2016, started intentionally reading books by Black authors. And then um, someone that I knew had posted on Instagram, and she posted a photo of a book, and then I noticed that her whole feed was photos of books, and I love books. I'm like, wow, I just post my kids and stuff, and you got books. How, what, what is this? And she was calling it Bookstagram, and apparently all these other people do it, and I was just enthralled. So on December 1st, 2017 in Cambodia, I started a white girl learning Instagram account. So I have Marla Taviano, my personal account, did this white girl learning. The name comes from a book by Jacqueline Woodson, who is a black queer author. And her book is called Brown Girl Dreaming. And it's about Mm -hmm. growing up um, and she wanted to be a writer. And so I decided to be white girl learning. And I just posted, I think I started... um, like Tuesdays and Thursdays, maybe. And then it went to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then I think I did that for maybe a year. And then in 2018 for Black History Month, I decided to post a book every day because I just had so many books and I read so fast anyway. And I never stopped. So from from February 1st, 2018 till today, I have posted every single day on, on that um, Instagram page. So I just read. I mean, I read, 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 read. And then I write and I write about things that I read. And, um, I have met, yeah, I think, I think I'm a, a reader and then I run into people like you and then I'm reminded very quickly. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. You just kind of read Matt, but Marla, she's a reader. <laughs> okay. Listen, everybody who reads is a reader. You don't okay. Have to thank read you. <laughs> You're just making me feel good about myself. It's fine. No, no, for real. Um, but I, I've met so many people. Like I've met people in real life now that were back in the States. I've met authors. Um, my niece. So I live, um, my backyard backs up to my sister's backyard and she has four kids. My niece is 13 and she reviews middle grade books for me on Mondays, Mondays with Mia on Sundays. I do a Sunday six stack, which is like six books that have a similar theme, similar color spine, similar, like the same author or whatever. Um, but I am reading like over 250 books a year and it has been the most fun thing that I've ever done in my life. And I compare it. So whereas when I first started learning about anti-racism and I would just get on Facebook and like blast all the stuff that I knew and people would unfollow me or yell at me or whatever, um, here it's a, it's a positive space. Like this is a place where people are coming if they care, if they want to learn, if they want to wake up, if they want to read an author that isn't white. 
Um, so I really don't get very much, um, hate or pushback. I'm just talking about books. Like here is a book and this is what it says. Like, what are you going to argue? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's a book. Uh, so I'm not posting tons of controversial things. I do follow all, um, creators of color on that site, on that on Instagram so that people can also follow them. And then in my stories, I'll just post tons of stuff that other people are posting and try to point people. Um, a really cool thing that just happened this week, and I am like on cloud nine about this, but I decided to do this. I, I don't have a name for it, but I just, my daughter, who is a, um, a graphic designer, she designed my book covers. Um, she made a graphic that says, let's buy some black writers, some writing time. And I put it out there. I talked to 10 black friends. I wanted to start like just these people are my friends. I'm helping some of them get books published. Um, I'm they, they're all one of them, maybe two have a self published book out in the world. The rest are all aspiring authors. And so I just wrote a post about, hey, listen, you know that I love to share um, authors books. But do you realize how much work it takes to write a book? And you're not getting paid. And that is a luxury that most people do not have. And I just want to give these 10 people who I love dearly and they're writers and we're friends and I want to collect money for them. And I said, I'm just going to put this out there. I want $5,000. Like I want to give each of these people $500. I put this out on now. I can't remember today is Monday. I want to say Thursday. And as of right now, we have $4,075. <laughs> so some of them, I've given them their money, like the 400 part already, because there's bills to pay, there's kids to feed. Um, but I have, uh, I, okay, I'm not going to be able to describe this. And I've already cried like 15 times this week over this and other things. But it is like, <laughs> everything is just coming together where I've been putting like pouring my heart and soul into this over a long period of time. And it, it's not, it's not me. Like when you said, put you on the map I, and you didn't want to say that it's not the, it's not about recognition. It's about, I am now real life friends with people who are writing. And I, I have a platform where I can, help them. Like these people are like, I, I can't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what to say. And so they're coming to me like gushing all this stuff. And I'm like, you don't understand how, how filled up I am because you are my friend and I can help you in this way. Like it, there's just a, it's unbelievable. And then it, this, this black woman, creator who has 1.6 million Instagram followers. She sent me a message and I actually, I cannot say this publicly because we were talking about it, but she has offered me something to offer these friends and this partnership she wants to do. And I'm like, freaking what the, like 1.6 million followers. I can get like writing money for all the black writers. <laughs> like I, can, <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, the problem is I do have my day job. Like uh, today I was really struggling because so many great things were happening. I'm up in the middle of the night with excitement, but then I have to write the, the emails for the billionaire and his AI talks. And so <laughs> it's like, gee, but anyway, so that yeah. is that. So I Exciting. just, I don't know. It, it might be something. We'll really find even, out. We'll find yeah, out. We will. We'll find out. Stay yes. tuned. Matt. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when did you start writing? Because Unbelieve and Jaded are books filled with some incredible poetry. When when did that journey start for you? Were you always somebody who was writing poetry? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but you'd never written a poetry book before Unbelieve came out. Am I am I off there? Is that true? No, I wrote a poem. I wrote poems in first grade, and then my next poems were when I was forty-five. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so you did not miss anything. Oh, good, good, um, I got it right. Long story short, and also I would like you to just make sure you stop me like fifteen minutes before we're done. I don't even know what time it is. Okay, because I seriously, I am going to open up your book, and we are going through this. I am going to talk about your book. Okay. Because this, <laughs> I know it's your good. podcast, but I can say what I want because you, you can because you're my guest. Um, yeah. Okay. That's right. So poetry, long story short, 
I had been trying to write a quote unquote deconstruction. Uh, okay, so everybody wants to write a deconstruction memoir, right? This was not what I was calling it. What I was calling it was I just write, I just write. And I'm writing my story all the time, publishing these eBooks about Cambodia, about this, about whatever. And this just the next natural thing to write about. However, it was like kicking my ass because it was just everything I'd try to write, then I would change my mind again. And it's all this stuff. And I'm like, it, I couldn't. So when we moved back and my ex-husband actually got a job and I thought, okay, now I can breathe. I can work on this book because I don't have to make all the money. Well, then he leaves. Um, and I still published the book. I published it in September of 2021. But what happened, and I'm still not exactly sure how to articulate this, is I was bored by what I was reading and decided to chop a whole bunch of it away and just leave less, like leave less. And trying to instead of trying to put it all in, I would make a decided like effort. I'm not putting it all in. These are going to be poems. So... People have called it different things like chunky poetry, unconventional poetry. People tell me, well, I don't really like poetry. Well, I'm not saying you'll like my book, but you not liking poetry really has nothing to do with you. Like my book is not like that. It's not, you don't read it and then look at it and be like, oh, I don't get what she's saying. You do get what I'm saying because I'm saying it. Like I just put it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's right not there. unclear. You know, could anybody do it? Yes. Have I taken my friend's tweets and turned them into poems? And they're like, how did you do that? I'm like, I didn't even change a single word that you said. I rearranged the, the stanzas and now it's a poem because you just have a rhythm to your writing. And I just did that for you. Like I could take your Instagram post and put the, that it's not it's not rocket science. So then I got so, like, I loved it so much and it resonated with people. I decided to do it again. I'm going to do it a third time working on a third book. Will I always write like that? I don't know. But in this day and age when who has time to read great, big, long things, like I subscribe to so many sub stacks and most of them are my black writer friends that I want to support financially. Um, and their stuff is great but there's so many words. Like I'm trying to read 250 books. I'm trying to read all their sub stacks. I'm trying to do my job. I'm trying to write a book. And so people have literally said, I sat down and read your book in an hour and a half or two hours. It's, it's over 300 pages, but it's like 22,000 words. And for anybody who doesn't understand words and books, it's not very many. It would be a very tiny book if you crammed all the words together. Um, so yeah, the first one is Unbelieve, and it really kind of goes through my deconstruction journey, but in poetry form. The second one, Jaded, is a poetic reckoning with white evangelical Christian indoctrination. And that was supposed to be like a happy book moving beyond evangelical Christianity. How'd that but work I was, out for you? <laughs> I, it did not work out for me, and I was still very pissed, and I had a lot of things to say to get off my chest, and so I did that. Now I am moving into the happy one. Will it be a happy ending? No, I'm still working through things, but I have such a different perspective. I have so much love in my heart and not the love that feels like hate. It's the love that feels like love. Like <laughs> when I love someone and they're like, oh, that feels like you love me. And I'm like, yes, that's what I wanted it to feel like. <laughs> um, so that will be that book. And just kind of the whole, I mean, I was in a bubble. I really was in a bubble. And not just because I live in a tiny white town, but I had tiny beliefs and um, I'm bursting out of that. I'm still trying to figure out who God is. Um, I just before we got on the, like the last line, I hope this is not a spoiler in your book is maybe we can find God by finding ourselves. My t-shirt, which I did not plan. I forgot I had it on says i found god in myself and i loved her fiercely by intasaki shange who is a black author um and that's what i'm doing i'm just finding god in myself and in people and it, it's that's pretty pretty cool yeah well i love what you talked about just that idea of like so many words like christianity has been filled with so many words oh, like all of us yeah. who we're in that space, you know, we just, <laughs> yeah. we're, especially us readers, you know, we just love to read and there's so many words and we're studying the Bible and it's words, words, words. And the reason that I love that your art form form came out of you in this way is because it leaves space. It leaves breath 
to fill in those gaps. And so somebody could read a piece of poetry and jaded, they would understand what you're saying. They wouldn't be confused about that, but they can also fill fill in the gaps almost with their own story, if that makes sense to you. And I think that's oh, yeah. one of the things that's one of the things I felt like was lacking. It still is lacking, but for so many that we didn't feel like our story mattered as much as the stories of people in the Bible or the stories of the clergy right, right. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I love seeing projects like yours because it is truly allowing each of us who read it to be a part of it, to see ourselves inside mm -hmm. of it. And so thank you for just, thank you for taking out the words that you did. So those of us who are <laughs> <You're reading> welcome. <laughs> it, not that I, I wouldn't have, <laughs> now that I wouldn't have loved thank to you. read them. Yeah. I would have no, loved to read me, your this words. Is better. This, this, this is better. I think it takes yeah. a lot of humility to take those words out. And, and I love a great memoir. I love a great story. Yeah. I would have loved to read your story. I would have absolutely read it. But I think it takes a lot of humility to take some of yourself out of that space that is yours to have and allow other people to be a part of it. So I think I think that's a beautiful thing that you did and just a beautiful work of art that two beautiful works of art that you've created. And I'm excited for the third. Thank you. And there are people who have actually sent me photos of they rewrote my poem with their story. In wow. it. Um, there's I write a poem about being disowned by someone in my family and someone sent me a poem where she was disowned by her dad. And she wrote that and just changed some of the words, not all, because some of them some of them fit. Um, but I've had people come to me and say, I'm writing songs again for the first time, or I'm trying to write poetry, like that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, like, that's where it's at. And if I have to write stuff for billionaires for the rest of my life, I will do it so that I can put those things out there and people can feel things like they can, when people tell me they cried or they laughed, I'm just like, that is exact. That is just, yes. I mean, that's, you cannot put a price tag on that. It is pretty special. And I do feel like a lot of my story is being redeemed. Like those books that I have out in the world that I, <laughs> that I hate, they're all, they're a part of me and they served a purpose and they're part mm -hmm. of my story. And then I can't tell you again, how many people are like, that was my story too. I was like that too. And Absolutely. there, there are a lot of us. I mean, mm -hmm. and you talk about in the book about like deconstruction spaces. And I, I mean, that I don't want to go into all that, but I, I do not want to be a person who writes about deconstruction. I do not want to be on TikTok or Instagram or have any kind of, I, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm not over it, but I, I, I want to gently hold people's hands that are like not quite so far on the journey and, and help them along. Like I really feel that call to, to get help those people. Um, so that's my connection there but I am moving on. Like I mm -hmm. am moving forward and out of that. And um, like you said, I'm lucky that I don't have to try to earn money as a deconstruction influencer <laughs> because I right. could just do, do something else. Um, yeah. And that's a yeah, hard space that the space that I've, this is why I'm excited for your next project coming too. is that the, the deconstruction space rightfully so has to be a little angsty for a while before it starts yeah, to yeah. become light. And I think yeah. for myself, like I'm, I'm in a similar space as you are, where I'm excited about the journey forward, but I'm not all that interested in being an influencer in the deconstruction space. I'm much more interested mm -hmm. in seeing people take their story and move it forward, whatever that looks yeah. like for them yeah. and, and just cheer them on along the way. Part of that process obviously is to maybe get a little angsty about some things, but but you know yeah. that the, I'm so excited to be connected to people like yourself and others who are excited for what lies ahead and, and encouraged by what lies ahead and are believing for a, a faith in our, each of us individually to have a faith that could actually matter in this world. Because I think yeah. thinking about history, thinking about my own life, like so much of faith has been a detriment to this world. And now I'm starting to see yeah. what feels like for the first time, although it's not feels like we're seeing so many um expressions of faith that are so yeah. life-giving suddenly yeah and mm -hmm. uh and it's the most beautiful earthy grassrootsy kind of thing i've ever experienced and it's just an it's just an honor to be a part of it so 
Yeah, I watched a sermon last night on my phone. I think it's the third sermon I've watched in the last six years. I've not been to church since 2017. <laughs> it's my friend. His name is Trey Ferguson. He's a black pastor, and we're working together. Like, uh, well, I won't spill the beans. I would just tell people if they're listening, go follow Pastor Trey 05, I think it is. Um, this guy, like the talks that we have, his, his view of God, like here I am, I'm like, I am done with God, like no more God. And the way that he talks about God, I am just like, dang, that's, that's, I feel that in my soul. I just don't call it God. And he's mm. like working. And I don't know. It's just that I read womanist scholars, like these black womanist scholars. And I cannot, there's something in my bones like this, this God Bible, whatever stuff is in me. But this is a whole new thing. So my big thing is how do I how do I separate that out for people? Like, how do I I'm tempted to just throw away Christianity and God because that view of it. I don't know what I don't know what words to use so that people know I'm not talking about your God. Like, I'm not talking about the God that that Donald Trump says that Joe Biden's going to hurt God. Like, I'm not talking about that God. This is a different God, like the one inside of me, the God that like Trey tells me the, the God that only shows up in people because everything that's happened to me since 2020 people showed up for me. I stopped mm. praying. I don't pray. Like when I, these great things are happening in my life, I'm not giving God credit. Like that's me. I'm, I'm like, no, nope, <laughs> no, because you can have the credit and the blame or you can have neither. And I am done with God gets all the credit like, let's say the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes is going to give God all the credit. Well, Jalen Hurts is supposedly a Christian, too. Well, is he going to blame God? God, you suck. Like, no, he's not, because God only gets credit. Right. Like, it, and anyway, that's a whole that's one of my big things. But, yeah, there's just so much fullness and goodness. And speaking of that, I want to specifically say that because I have intentionally surrounded myself with so many people and friends who are not white, looking at the deconstruction space through their eyes is very, very, um, it, it, it's very different. I mean, they, they are realizing, and now because of them, I realize that, and, and again, when I say deconstruction space, it's not like there's a space out there. I don't know how the internet works, whatever, but the, it's, it's so white, and so the, my black friends are like, listen, you, you want to deconstruct this, but you're holding on to the, to the white supremacy. Like you are not, you are not decolonizing from that or recognizing that or letting go of that. And that's not, that's not it. And so in Jaded, I kind of double down on that. I go pretty hard on, listen, go follow black people, go learn about this, go do this. You can throw baby Jesus out with the bathwater, but realize that the God that your black friends are talking about is different. And again, black people are not a monolith. It's not, it's not like there aren't conservative black pastors or whatever, but so much of what we do, I'm realizing we keep it white. Like we're getting rid of a lot of stuff, but the whiteness is still like tip top right in there. Um, so that's a big passion, obviously, of mine that I I don't want that to be. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I, you can get on all the soapboxes you want on this show. I'll I have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Final question. And, and I, okay. I've got some ideas because you've already shared a lot of it. But where are you seeing hope in this world? As, as people that want to move forward and want to see joy, light, you know, hope, where, where are you seeing it? Okay, I'll specifically use the example of the Black Writers Fund that we're doing this week because I have people coming to me. Just this morning, I got a text from a white friend who is a new middle school teacher in a southern state. And she said, do you have any advice for me? Like, from here on out, I am not allowed to read certain books. I'm not allowed to share things about race or racism or the civil rights movement or all this, like all the things that are being banned in this country. And she said, but I want to be brave, just like the people during the civil rights movement risked going to jail or 
being hurt or whatever, they put their lives on the line. She said, I don't want to lose my job, but I'm ready to if, if, and when I need to, but I don't know how to do this. And I said to her, I, I don't, I, I don't know yet. Like, I don't know right now what this looks like, what this means. But when we see our country going backwards and it feels so hopeless. And then I see that in a couple days, people on the internet are giving me $5, $10, $50, $100. Somebody gave me $500. It was supposed to be for a personal retreat for her. And she gave it to these black writers. That is where I see hope that there are people who who don't believe that we shouldn't learn about black history there there are people who want to know who want to help who want to love who want what they want a fair world for everyone um and so that's where i'm tangibly seeing hope in the middle of something that's just so shitty like it's just so i like it just every day it seems like more and more stuff and um and and, and i have to cling to hope like if you don't if you read anybody um authors especially during the civil rights movement they will say we have to cling to hope like we we have to if if we don't see it um we're not going to strive for it and that's 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 the only way we can we can get there is to believe that it could be better to believe in some beloved community or whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, and so I, I'm good at believing in something that I can't see. Right. I mean, that's what I did for my whole life. I believed in a God that I could not see. And now I can believe in hope that I cannot see. And this week I'm seeing it like I'm actually seeing it with my eyeballs, which is why I'm all, in a tizzy about it and like so excited and happy. Special thanks to Marla Taviano for joining the show today. You can find her at marlataviano.com. Of course, that Instagram account is White Girl Learning. So be sure to check that out. Get the book jaded. You will not regret it. And of course, you can find me on social media, Matt Kinzera at, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Instagram. Also, Chasing Goodness is also on Facebook. And until next time, let's keep chasing goodness together.